4: coast-to-coast and coast, border in the border all over the world wide. When doing the thing, talking to the people, 21 minutes after the hour, and am go to Kevin Nash. Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> that was a horrible, horrible, horrible fucking uh, ID. I got to report that. It is the Jiggy Jake. what you show. We're going out the phones. And hopefully, Dave Oblis, Joe Cronin, and Kevin Gipmeyer are on there. Nope.
3: Yep. Yes, gotcha. At least one of you. <laughs> Can you hear me at all? Hey, this is Dave Obles. Hey, that'll work. Okay, let me try to get uh, the other one on here. I, I'm hoping it's one of the two.
4: Can you hear me as well, sir? Yes, this is Joe Brogan. Hey, that'll work. Joe and David Obles. Uh, waiting on Kevin to get in here and David, give us a preview of this card
3: before we uh, get into it with Joe and Kevin. Uh, It's next Friday night, September 8th at Wild Bills, uh, Wild Bills Play Night Court, right outside on Atlanta. Got about 16 fights on the card right now. Um, Of those 16, there's three more tie fights, and then the rest of the 13 are uh, male MMA fights. Um, Got a lot of good returning guys. Uh, Joe Cronin and uh, Kevin Giedemeyer are the main event. And then Kevin's best friend and training partner, Cliff, is going to be uh, fighting Joe Crona's training partner, Roscoe McClellan. So uh, you got two training partners fighting each other from land in Arizona. And then you got a good main event with Marcus Davis, who's been on the Ultimate Fighter TV show and wow. off of the UFC a few times. He'll be the main, the, uh, co-main event. Wow. it will been a pretty good event. Uh,
4: Joe, uh, do I have it correct that you've
0: got a record of 4-4? Uh, four no, it's 5-4. Uh, and 5-4, and four. okay.
4: Yeah. Um, how do you rebound uh, after a loss
0: to get back into camp to get a, uh, a fight going? Uh, to be honest, uh, I just um, I hit training by four times as hard as I regularly do, and uh, all I think about uh, until I get in the ring again is that last previous loss. Yeah, that yeah. so just motivates me to just to get in there and mix it up again to make sure that I win this next one. Well, um, with
4: with your uh, past four losses, have they just been just stupid mistakes? You just get caught in something that you weren't expecting? Or, you know, why have you lost the... Uh, why, why would you lose four times?
0: Yeah, my, first, my four losses are, are uh, except one of them. my last well, the last three losses have been uh, some decisions yeah. um, good decision. all, all three losses have been good close fights uh, my last fight that I lost was a split decision um, I, I let it go in the judges hands I, I felt that I won the fight but uh, uh, you know, it was just, I let it go in the judges hands and that's how fighting works my, my fight before that yeah. I would say it was, a, it was a fair decision but it was still a close fight the guy won And um, the fight for that also was was another decision. And it's just, I mean, it was just a really good fight, all three fights that I've lost. The the, the first fight that I lost was actually I got put in the arm bar, and um, I was just inexperienced at the time. It was my first first fight. Well, uh, well, David,
4: um, how did you come to get these two together?
0: Um, first thing James, I
3: was gonna say, Kevin might be calling in from a different number. Uh might be okay. a seven eight number if you see that okay. um, Yeah.
4: Um, yeah. All,
3: but all uh in when I see it. Um, got these two guys together basically, uh I've been talking to uh Joe Cronus training partner, Roscoe, about fighting Cliff Bretwell here.
0: Yeah. And uh, he
3: got injured a couple of months ago and he told me uh he trained with a pretty big camp out there, a pretty good camp in Arizona. And um been looking for someone for Kevin Giedemar to fight this time out and Kevin's natural about 165, 170, and uh, Roscoe said he'd fight anyone in the world, but he said it had to be at 160. He said he'd fight anybody, but it had to be at his weight. So uh, Kevin's coming down quite a few pounds. This is really the first time he's had to lose weight, so that's something that he's not too happy about right now is coming down in weight. But um, as long as he gets there, it should be a good fight because it's going to be at uh, Joe's natural weight of 160, so maybe he'll have more power and more endurance than Kevin will. I guess we'll find out. But um, I should be interested in putting uh, the two of them together and their two training partners together. And, you know, I don't know too much about Roscoe and Joe. I know Joe's a pretty good jujitsu guy, pretty good on the ground. Um, so it should be interesting to see how the styles come back against each other, you know, two training partners versus two training partners. Oh, yeah. I've read about it. It's a very interesting concept. Yeah, and Joe's pretty good on the ground for what I've read out there on the internet and what I've seen of him. And um, I know he's won a couple of jujitsu tournaments. And uh, I think the biggest event that goes on in Arizona is the King of the Cage out there. And I might be wrong, um, but uh, he's been at quite a few times. I was going to ask you. Kevin's calling me on the other line. Do you want me to get this and have him call the show?
4: Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and have him go through. That um, David with the um, uh, excuse me, Joe. Um. What what's kind of your uh, background coming into this? Are you just an overall MMA guy, or are
0: you primarily more uh, jiu-jitsu guy, or a boxer guy? Or I, I would say I'm an overall fighter. Um, I mean, coming into it, uh, I've been doing it for um, for about five years. Yeah. Coming into it, I had a a background of just street fighting, Indian street fighting, street fight just growing up, and uh, yeah. kind of. Uh, just took it to the next level. Actually, compete and get paid for it. So, and this is what I do, and I really enjoy it. Training's a blast. I, we got a really good, a really good team. The best in Arizona. Uh, in uh, the raising the cage training center is where I train out of. We have a lot of guys. We uh, just had a UFC veteran, uh, a guy who fought in UFC, Gilbert Adana a couple guys on the birds of uh, U of e that are uh, training out of our team
3: yeah. hey James before we continue Kevin yep. doesn't have your number I misplaced and didn't give a turn do you want to call him right now
4: Uh, I'm not able to do that based upon because I, I dialed him the Law Talk so he's going to have to uh, call in here I can uh, I can give you the number if you get these paper
3: right now. yeah I've got I've just got him on the other line um, should I hang up and we both call you right back
4: yeah that's
3: a good one we'll call right back
4: well, Joe, um, with uh, with your background uh, getting into this and getting this fight together, um, how did the whole process go? Did they seek you out
0: or um, did you just contact different uh, people and let David or how did that work? Yeah, there's uh, a training partner, the McFarland. that yeah. um, I guess he, meet, he met up with David at a previous fight, which was uh, Raising the Cage. And uh, I was fighting at the event, and so was Roscoe. Me and Roscoe are uh, real good training partners. We just got back from a fight in Hawaii, Rumble on the Rock. Yeah. Uh, a big organization. Yeah, that's they, uh, that's uh, uh,
4: BJ Penn's event, correct? correct?
0: Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, we, uh, we just got back from that, and Roscoe, Dave was asking Roscoe if he wanted to fight Atlanta, and uh, Roscoe actually suffered an in- injury. And uh, I told him you so know, I would take the fight, and uh I guess the guy that Dave had rostered for the flight he didn't want to fight me. Yeah. And uh, I just told Dave in the future if you ever have anyone that wants to fight, so I would you know, I'd be a, it'd be a hundred fights over there in Atlanta. And that's pretty much how it came about. Uh gentlemen, can well, you can hear me? I'm on
3: here, James. Okay,
5: this is Kevin. I can hear you good. There you go. Okay.
4: Um, what, one more question before I move on, uh, Joe, with the uh, anything specific that um, you want to try to avoid, you not want to go to the
0: ground with Kevin, or, uh, oh, are you worried about certain areas? Or? Now, to be honest, I, I mean, I'm ready to go, uh ready to go to three rounds, 20. Uh, Stand a bang, stand a bang. If you want to stick it the ground, I'm ready to stick in the ground. Um, I, in my gym, we train all aspects of just uh, MMA, and um, yeah. I'm be confident any any direction you go, I go. So.
4: That's cool. Well, uh, Kevin, welcome to the program, sir. Yeah,
5: hey, how you doing?
4: Pretty good. Um, I noticed on your, uh, your website that you're an ISKA Eastern United States champion. How did you get? up at the ISKA, and frankly, I was shocked
5: they're even still around. <laughs> I thought K-1 swallowed them up. Ah, well, I guess they're still around and kicking. I think I saw them on ESPN uh, just a little while ago. Uh, it's pretty much uh, promoters have different sexual bodies they can choose from, and, you know, certain promoters use several different ones, and yeah. David Oblis... Uh, being the promoter, I primarily fight for. That's the sanctioning body he uses. So that's pretty much how I got affiliated with them. It was just uh, as a fighter. I'm sure Joe feels the same as I do. We just we try to look for fights wherever we can get them. And uh, as long as it's a reputable sanctioned body promoter, we accept those fights. So uh, they, a fight was offered to me with the belt on the line, and I accepted. Unfortunately for me, I was able to win that fight. Yeah.
4: But, well, David, with this uh, with this event with Joe and Kevin, are they going to
3: be uh, fighting for a championship of some sort? Or? No, we couldn't make it for the uh, we couldn't make it for Kevin's title because it is an Eastern American title, and with Kevin yeah. uh, living here in Atlanta, and Joe living in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, obviously, he's not technically in the East, so we couldn't make it for a title. And the ISKA is pretty strict about their titles; they'd rather see Joe fight once or twice under the ISKA banner before allowing him to fight for the next title. They also want Kevin to defend his title once before moving to, you know, the national championship. Or oh. um, so there's steps to be taken. There's other sanctioned bodies that are just let James Lowe and David Oblis fight for the world title, but that yeah. really, you know, doesn't do much for the sport or for the fight. Oh. So, you know, I respect the decision. You know, this will give Joe a good t- opportunity to fight in Georgia. And, you know, if he does well, we'll keep him coming back every time like we do other guys. And, you know, like I said earlier, he is a good veteran. He's fought in King of the Cage. What is it, Joe, like six or seven
0: times you fought out there? Is yeah, it Rage in
3: the
0: Cage? Rage in the Cage. It's Rage in the Cage. My current record is uh, five and four. Mm-hmm. I fought, um, yeah, uh, five and four, and then I just fought in one Desert Brawl and uh, one Rumble and the Rock. The rest yeah. is the Cage.
3: So Joe's fought in the top events there. That's oh, all yeah. from the state of Arizona. And Kevin's fought in the top events in the state of Georgia. So the two of them, you know, represent our state pretty proudly right now.
4: Well, Kevin,
0: Joe had
5: mentioned earlier that you uh, apparently had to cut weight for this fight. Is that true? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go down. I typically fight at 170. Most of my fights have been. I've had a few at 165. Usually I carry my weight around about 163, so I'm You know, I walk under the weight that I fight at usually, which is 170, which generally is not a good idea because most 170s weigh about 190 pounds. I'm going to work my way down to 155 pounds. Uh, I'm not really accustomed to cutting weight, so that's something I'm going to just, this fight will be at 160, and then I intend for my next fight to be at 155 just to make sure I'm comfortable and I don't feel weak. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to sweat out a couple pounds before uh, weigh-ins, which is new to me.
4: I didn't know if you'd ever uh, if this was if this was like a T or T situation where he's just he got it down to the science or if you were gonna end up having to pull the old uh, amateur wrestling routine where you just, you know, go hog wild and just try to get as much weight as possible like two hours before the
5: wave. Well that's that's typically what most people do with sweatsuit and that's really it's not unsafe to do that. Uh, it, as long as you don't do anything extreme. You can put a sweatsuit on and lose four to six pounds in water weight easy, I mean, with, with no stress to your body. I'm accustomed to eating both breakfast and lunch on weigh-in day and that's what might be a little change for me as I head down to 155 I probably have to be pretty light on the day of weigh-ins, if, if, if at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some extreme examples are uh, Joe Riggs in the UFC, I think he made 170 and then the night of the fight, the next day I think they said he was 213. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's an extreme case, but uh, if I can maintain about 162, 161 pounds, I think I'll make 155 pretty easy. But uh, I actually threw on a bunch of weight because I thought I was going to take one last fight at 170. Yeah. And I didn't want to be too undersized, so I actually started lifting weights, which I had never done before. And I tried to pack on some weight, which, you know, then I had to just turn around and le- lose yeah. uh, for this fight. Well,
4: once the guys was uh, training and- you mentioned uh, lifting weights. That was kind of a first-time thing for you. Um, are th- do you guys experiment going into fights with different training methods, or is it just you've got your your set skills and your set training
5: methods, and you
4: just are going to use those all the
0: time?
5: I think most fighters have the uh, the skills that they practice and they train some of which they may be a little weaker at others and stronger in some areas. And in some fights you may you know, you may explore, say stand up for example, if you're if you just becoming more comfortable, you may feel it out a little bit until you're really losing badly there and then revert back to whatever you're more comfortable with if that's the ground. Uh, the reverse may be true. If if you're not quite as good on the ground, you may just feel it out a little to try to get that real life experience. But if you start losing, you may revert back to your your strength. Uh I think I'm pretty balanced in, in ground and stand up. Neither one's spectacular, but I have a good balance yeah. balance of it, like most MMA fighters today. They just have a good good balance. I'm sure Joe's the same way. I've looked at his record. He looks like a real well-balanced uh, modern you know fighter today.
0: Yeah.
5: Well, Joe,
4: uh, do your do methods change over time, or, uh, are you always
0: experimenting, or how's that like? Uh, right Really, I, I pretty much stick basically to the to the same game plan. I mean, as far as training, training and whatnot goes, I mean, yeah, basically I've been I've been uh, turned up and trained just because this, was, this is probably the biggest fight that I've had, and um, just just intense training. And it, when the fight goes, I kind of just play it minute by minute, second by second, just what happens. I mean, I'm preparing myself and training for any situation that uh, it just happens in the fight. Uh, and I'm, like I said, I'm pretty confident. It's, it's, I'm a well done fighter, like Kevin said himself. Uh, if it won't be close to stand up or it's just goes to the ground. Yeah. I'm confident in all aspects. Well, David,
4: uh, how do you... When, when you put the match together, uh, did you put it based upon, uh, you know these guys would fight for the money you
3: were offering and you put it together because of, uh, they'd be great like, ticket sellers. How, how exactly did you come to put this together? Why did oh. you Well, I've had a couple, quite a few fighters fight from Arizona. That's how I got hooked up with uh, both Roscoe and Joe in the first place. Yeah. And I think after doing this enough, I've been doing this about four or five years now, and I recently hooked up with Wild Bills and my partner Steve Mutter of Full Throttle Entertainment over there. And yeah. We both have different duties, and one thing I do is I'll um, all the matchmaking, because I guess I'm better at have to doing it for so long. And I've just heard that Joe's a good fighter, he's well rounded. Kevin's a good fighter, he's well rounded. Neither one of them are terrific in anything, but neither one are important in anything. And you know, these are the kind of fights you want to make, especially for a main event.
0: You know, the amateur
3: undercards, you know, those can end in a minute, minute and a half. You know, oh. here are those. End? But you know, the main event, the co-main event of Marcus Davis from the UFC. You know, that's where the crowd comes to see as a three-round war. And I'm just looking at Joe's record, like he said earlier in the show. His last three or four losses, although he does lose, he doesn't get knocked out. He doesn't get. Yeah. He'll be there all three rounds, and he's going to make an exciting fight. And Kevin's won the distance in most of his fights as well. So you put these two guys together, neither one's going to quit, and that's the most important thing of making a good main event and co main event is two guys that are go. And both their training partners, Cliff Brett, well, you know, he just had his coming out party last time, had a huge win over a guy named Aaron Steele, won the three rounds, back and forth fight. Roscoe just got back to fight in Hawaii. I heard he got a cut eye, you know, got injured there, but he kept fighting. So that's another fight that's going to go two or three rounds to be a good match. So, you know, that's what you want. You know, do I, who do I want to win? You know, I'd like to see Kevin win. I think he will win. He's a hometown guy. But, you know, Joe's going to give him a run for his money. Like he said, he's, you know, he's got ten fights under his belt. He's been doing this for years. And, uh, you know, he's lost his last fight. So, you know, he's hungry to come back and get a win over Kevin. Do
4: you guys uh, study tape on each other or?
5: Typically, I like to. That gives me an edge. Uh, MMA is probably as much or more a mental game than it is a physical game. Once you attain a certain skill level, a lot of it becomes mental. And I typically like to study video uh, for one reason, just uh, so there's not as much a feeling out process. And and a lot of times, I don't mind giving my video to the opponent either. It makes for a better fight for the fans. A lot of times, there's not as much feeling out. Uh, you could just go right at it. Uh, I haven't been able to study any of Joe's, but, but typically I think most fighters do prefer to study video. Yeah.
4: Well, yeah. Joe, Joe, do you uh, do you study much video, or is it well, have have, I, I haven't run. had the
0: chance to come across a, a video on Kevin. Um, yeah. I've just been studying the record and some the performances. It seems like he fought some good rounder opponents. Oh yeah. And uh, I'm actually. Uh, um, just in the process of getting a video on Kevin and just trying to see if, uh, you know, if, if, if that techie can help me on the video. Yeah.
3: So, uh, and I will say that we've tried to get a couple of videos of Joe and his training partner Roscoe, and I think they mailed it out, but maybe got lost in the mail or something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah. We've tried exchanging videos, but I guess uh, they haven't wanted to do that just yet. So hopefully, in the next week, we'll both have an opportunity to study each other. Well,
4: David, with the, uh, the card coming up and uh, these two fighting in the main event,
0: uh,
4: does the winner have uh, any type of chance of coming back and fighting for a title or going further with the uh, Wild Bill events, or is it just they show up and they're going to fight they get paid?
3: Um, I guess that depends on both of them. I mean, I'll address Kevin first since he's a local guy. Of course, if he wins, he gets his choice to be on a future card since he is a local draw here. Of course, yeah. um, if, if it's a hell of a fight between the two of them, there's no reason why we can't do a rematch. And maybe that rematch might be for you know the ISKA national title if they approve of it.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, you know, if Joe knocks out Kevin and makes a great appearance, or even you know fights Kevin to the finish and does terrific, we'll bring him back again and match him for someone different. You know, there's a guy named Steve Kinnison from Chicago. I keep bringing him back time and time again just because the guy's tough as nails and he shows up. Um, you know, the main thing in the sport is just being ethical, signing the contract, doing what you're supposed to do, show up on the way, be a gentleman, you oh, know, yeah. fight, fight your heart out and do the best you can. And, you know, we recommend all promoters use those kind of people. Um, you know, you just learn who to use and who not to use those people out there. I don't want to name their names, I don't never have oh, yeah. on the card again. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that are ethical. And so far, dealing with Joe and Roscoe, they've been ethical from start to finish. And, you know, if they're good fighters, we'll definitely bring them back again if they want to.
4: We mentioned uh, Steve Peterson. Uh He's fought Kevin, correct? Twice?
3: Yeah, he's a hell of a fighter. He gave
5: Kevin a war both times. Yeah, that was actually... Uh, our first fight was one of the best fights of 95. It, it was very close. The judges had it kind of wide in my favor. Uh, many people thought it was a draw, and some people thought Steve won. Yeah. Uh, it was a great fight. The second fight was was a great fight also, but it wasn't... It wasn't okay. really close, but it was a great fight. Uh, I've
4: seen some uh, some some clips of that somewhere on the internet. It was a heck of a win.
5: Yeah, yeah, it, it was. I mean, Steve, you know, he's been to Atlanta, I think, five times and beat everybody but me. He beat a couple of my teammates. And I uh, he keeps, even though he lost me twice, he gets an invitation back because, you know, he puts on a great fight and he, he pushed me to a new level. When you take on tough opponents like that, you know, win or lose, you're going to come out a better fighter. And that's what we kind of saw in Joe's record. I mean, he's he's there. You know, it, whether he wins or loses, a lot of times it goes to decisions. So it's, it's not going to be a quick fight. You know you're preparing for a war. And that's a lot harder mentally than, than some people realize. If you're going in there and you think you might beat the guy in 30 seconds, that's not that hard to prepare for. But if you know you're stepping into a war, you have to be a little mentally stronger. And that's really what I, I like to step into because I know Win or lose, when I come out, I'm probably going to be a better fighter than when I entered.
4: Yeah. Well, and I noticed
5: something else. You lost to uh, Anthony Messias. Uh, was, was, was that a tough fight? Or? Yeah. Yeah. What happened uh, in that fight is he was just basically a better fighter. Uh, uh, I went in, you know, and I gave it the best I had, which just wasn't good enough. Uh, yeah. It was. It was a tough fight. Uh, I thought I had the fight locked up. I had a had a submission locked up on him and that's when the fight began, and he began to show me why he was as experienced as he was and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, came to reverse me and actually catch me in a submission. So it was it was a learning experience for me. It was a loss, uh, but it, I don't regret to fight at all. I learned a lot from it, yeah. and I just fought a better fighter, and he won. Well, what kind of, uh,
4: do you guys have any type of pre-fight superstitions, you know, uh, got to put on the left boot? Before I, put on the one you know, I know a lot of athletes
5: do, and some fighters do. Uh, I personally do not. If, if I was going to say I had any superstition, it might be arrogance, like it's bad karma.
4: Yeah.
5: Try to remain humble and do the best you can, uh, but I really don't have any superstition.
0: What about you, Joe? In the... Uh, I, I, I try not to believe in superstitions. When I first uh, started fighting, I used to think, uh, oh man, if, if my girlfriend was there, um, I, mean, I would win every fight. Or if I wore these special shorts or these special underwears that I would never win, I'd be alright. I'd win. But uh, I don't know. I've tried little things here and there, just with little beliefs. But nothing seems to work. So I'm trying not to let anything affect me as far as like superstitions go. I mean, it's just little, little thing that, like, uh, I was dyeing my hair different colors and, uh, <laughs> different colors when I tried it, and <laughs> like, well, green seems to work the best, because I'm undefeated green, but, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it, it's hard, to, it's really, it's really hard to say, I don't know, I, I, I believe, I believe them to a point, but I try not to let them bug me too much.
3: And what color hair are you coming in next Friday with, Joe? You? you decided
0: yet? <laughs> uh, yeah, green. I'm going with the green. <laughs> <laughs> it might end the streak there. Are you, you okay with that? Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to put it on the line. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's
4: great. Well, uh, David, with, you were mentioning that, uh, that quite possibly if they had a rematch, they might be fighting for uh, ISKA time. What does it take as a promoter to get someone like a to
0: approve
3: uh, title match for the cards. Um, It's not too difficult. I think it's more based on the uh, sanctioned body. Uh, um, the ISK is located down in Florida, and um, Corey Schaefer is the president. He's just easy to get a hold of. He emails back daily. He returns phone calls. He answers them right then. And, you know, he always wants to know the record of both guys, who they beat. And, you know, the most important question is why they should fight for the title. He always asks me, is this the best two guys that you can get for the title? And Kevin called Steve Kinnison for the vacant title back then. He said, is this the best two guys? And I said, yeah, Chicago's on the east, Atlanta's on the east. These are two of the best 165-pound guys out there right now. Um, I asked him if I could make this for an eastern title or national title. He said, no. He said, basically right now Joe's not the best guy out there because we haven't seen Joe yet. We don't know anything about Joe. Once we see him, if it's a hell of a fight, then the rematch can be for a national title or something like that. But until then, you know, they want a name, and I think that's good, because a lot of the other sanctioned bodies don't ask those kind of questions. They just say, oh, wow, you know, the sanctioned causes $2,000 Yeah. $2,000 check, and you can make it for the world title, whatever you want. And, you know, then you just get the paper titles. I mean, people in MMA used to rag on boxing in the past for having so many title belts and things like that. And I think now as the sport of MMA develops, we're starting to see the same exact thing. I mean, how many different sanctioned bodies are there that currently have titles out there and it's getting a little bit ridiculous. I mean, I've seen gyms that start their own title belt. There's
0: just no
3: need for that. I I mean, I always said I was never going to start my own title belt because anyone can. You can make the Budweiser Georgia title if you want. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, I can make the James Lowe Jiggy Jaguar title. Yeah, exactly. It,
4: it, 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 it makes fun
3: of the sport. It puts the sport on a low level. So that's why I've used the ISK. That's why I like the ISK. They just have some... Uh, you know, some good things about them that I like. And, you know, when these guys are ready to fight for the next title, the ISK will let us know when they're ready, and we won't push them and, you know, work out well. You know, maybe, you know, they both end up in the UFC one day fighting for that title. I guess that's their goal. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can just, you know, use these small shows to get them to where they need to be, where they want to be. You know, it's, life's not all about titles. Life's, you know, about fighting good fights and developing yourself and seeing where you go from there.
5: Oh, yeah,
4: definitely. Well to wrap this up, Kevin, what kind of uh, predictions do you have
5: for this fight? I predict it'll be a tough fight for both of us, and yeah. uh, I predict we'll likely both come out of it, you know, much more experienced and much better. Uh, other than that, I don't I don't offer too many predictions. I mean, I'll give it the best I've got. I'm sure Joe will do the same. I I think the fans will win. Yeah, yeah.
4: I I I think it's going to be a, a great fight. And as far as uh, what lose the draw after this fight? What
5: are your immediate goals and plans? Uh, right after the fight, I think I'm going to take a little time off. Uh, just, just try to heal up and uh, get strong and just come back much stronger. So, uh, you know, regardless of win or loss, I'm probably just really going to take just a little bit of time off, really focus on technique and just try to come back real strong, real fresh. Uh, and uh, just take it you know, take a fight by fight. You know, David's mentioned some national titles, uh, maybe possibly going for, I think I'm about maybe four fights away from that, if at all. So it's kind of been a little bit of a surprise how well I've been doing to me and, you know, the people around me. So, you know, I'm happy with the way things are going and hopefully I can continue to improve. And, uh, you know, maybe one day I will be able to fight for a uh, national title. let
4: Um... One question before I ask you about your predictions and everything. They they mentioned they haven't seen a lot of tape on you and there's different things. Do you, do you find that it's it's cool that they don't know what they're getting into with it? Or do you think it's kind of a. You're angry because they don't respect your ability to do that you um, have?
0: No, I mean, I, I, I really don't think. Uh, I, I really don't even think it matters much. I mean, to yeah. a extent, it does, but uh, it sounds like Kevin knows what he's getting himself into. Uh, I mean, he's going to have a warrant at hand, and uh, I mean, he could, he could see the size. The I mean, you see my record of, of, of as far as what happens. I mean, decision here, knockout there. Uh, just, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's really going to change much, but uh, it, it definitely would help. Oh, that's cool. So, um, what, what are your predictions for the fight? Uh, predictions for the fight? Um, I'm actually agreeing with Kevin. i um, just looking for a war. Um, at the uh, end of round three, I'm thinking my hand's can be raised uh, for decision. But uh, I don't know. I'm ready. I mean, I'm, I'm ready for anything. I mean, if it's a uh, submission in round one, give gives me the opportunity. Or if it's a slip-up and a knockout. But uh, ultimately, I'm thinking decision, post-decision round three. So, uh after this fight do you plan on uh, fight trying to get a title fight somewhere? Else? Yeah, definitely. If I um, if if I do beat Kevin, um, if I do beat Kevin, um definitely, you know, when, whenever I can, um as soon as I'm all back and uh if if they let me back, um I, I'd be looking to wanna fight with the title as possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
4: definitely. Yeah, because I'll tell you, you can you know the old uh, the old boxing route back in the day, you know, that when they when they used to do non-title matches, and the guy had to fail, he'd lose, and then automatically the guy that beat him would be in line for a title match. So,
3: you know, I definitely would go for that.
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure uh, Joe will be invited back. W- win, lose, or draw, if he puts on a good performance. Uh, yeah. You know, here, he, if a guy loses, that doesn't disqualify him. Uh, you know, if it's a good performance, win, lose, a draw, I'm sure he'll get an invite back. And if he wins, I think that definitely definitely puts him in line for something, you know.
3: What I, what I personally like is both guys have actually lost before. A lot of people look at the win-loss record and think someone that's lost isn't that good. I look at it because it makes for a better fight. I've seen undefeated oh, guys win. And they don't fight to win. They fight to make sure they don't lose. And I think someone commented about the forest grip of Stephen Bonner the other night. The first time those two guys fought each other, they were both fighting to win. They were fighting to win. The the hell win.
0: I'm
3: you know, it looked like the other night, both of them were fighting to make sure they didn't lose. Like, I didn't see the same aggression in either one of them the other night that I did the first time out. And that's the good thing about having Kevin and Joe. They both have a loss on their record. You know, neither one of them has a shield and undefeated record. And, you know, they're going to crap their pants or they lose and go home crying because it's happened before. So now they're both going to fight to beat each other up and get a win and move on. So, you know, just doing it so long, that's what I've liked. I'll never put undefeated guys against each other. It's just, you know, they're too cautious and too defensive.
4: Well,
0: what, what do you think as far as uh, predictions
3: go, Dave? Do you think it's going to go to the time limit, or do you think that it just can't because of their skill I think it's going go to go the time limit because uh, Joe doesn't lose um, by this, by knockout. Joe doesn't lose uh, by submission. Yeah. Evans is not a knockout artist or submission lotus, and he doesn't lose very often. So, you know, I think they're going to go the distance. Um, I think it would be good for the fans. Who wins, who loses? You know, I guess that's really up to them. Um, you know, I said, well, I want to see it happen as a local guy. You know, I'd love to see Joe come back again and fight on the car next time, but I don't think he's going to be uh, sporting the green hair next time. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Joe, I had to get that one in.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> I told you I was going to get at least one shot in on you tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think it's going to be a good fight, and that's where we put this one together. I'm not too concerned about this one fight as I am with the whole card. You know, it's going to be about six yeah. fights. And I just hope from top to bottom they're all pretty good fights. And, you know, on paper right now, I've seen all these guys enough that I know at least seven, eight, nine of these fights are going to be extremely good fights, and that's what I'm most concerned about rather than just one one fight. Well, I'll tell you, it's going to be an extra
4: card. Uh, you guys have got websites. I know David's is a productions dot com, correct?
3: Yeah, it sure is. And the venue
0: is WildBillsAtlanta dot com. Okay,
4: Joe, you got a website, right?
0: Uh, no, I don't. I'm actually in the I'm actually in the process. I I, I got the domain name. It's uh, it should be up by the end of the month. Yeah. Uh, well, by the end of the next month, it's actually Show dot com. It's being built right now.
4: And then uh, Kevin KevinEdemeyer dot com, correct?
5: Yes, that's correct.
4: Yeah. You guys. You guys, uh, when you guys fight, you guys take videos and put them up on your websites, or do uh, some of these venues kind of frown on that? No.
5: Yeah, it really depends. Uh, if you're showing highlight clips, usually the uh, promoter doesn't mind that. Uh, a lot of times, you'll come to an agreement with the promoter uh, uh, just to show the highlights. Certainly, they want it once yeah.
4: in the that whole flight, though. Yeah. Well, and, and Dave, you guys are going to put this on DVD. Currently.
3: Yeah, we get all of our fights on DVD, um, so we try to sell those at the future fights for people to come by and get. It takes a little while to put together, but yeah, we try to get all the fights on DVD for people to view later and give a free copy to all the fighters, so both Kevin and Jill and the rest of the fighters are going to copy the fight a couple weeks later of uh, the event so they can use the study and whatnot.
4: So with you guys being in the main event, are um, you guys going to show up at the beginning of the night and watch all the fights, or are you just going to show up... You know, right before you have to get prepared and get warmed up to go out. Well, I typically Well, go ahead, Jeff.
0: Oh, okay. Um, just I, I usually kinda of keep to myself in the back room, find a little spot that I can kind of include myself.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, that way I don't um, you know, see see somebody get annihilated as far as <laughs> Yeah. Just just, just to kinda of intimidate me or something. I just kinda of fix myself my own little locker room and area and that's pretty much it. When it's time to fight, I mean I'm warming up in the back doing a couple couple uh fights before my fight, I'm doing push ups, jumping rope, yeah. hitting the focus uh, I'm just getting prepared. What about you, Kevin?
4: You-
5: yeah, so typically I, I go, I watch the fights if I have teammates, I'm backstage with them helping them warm up I'll be with Cliff, you know, helping him. Yeah. So usually I'm pretty busy with, with either teammates or I get out there and try to watch a few fights at least and and I literally don't even think about mine until it's time to warm up. Uh, from most of the fighters I talk to, that's a little bit unique, but that keeps that keeps my you know nerves calm. I really don't get nervous. I get nervous when my teammates fight, extremely nervous, or a friend of mine fights. Uh, but I don't get nervous at all when I fight. And I guess a part of that is the fact that I'm really not putting any thought into it whatsoever. I think if I did dwell on it, it would probably hinder my performance. So, uh, I stay pretty busy. I usually have several teammates on there and, then, uh, by the time it's time for me to warm up, yeah, I warm up and go out there and fight. Hey, Joe, are you going to be working, uh, Roscoe's corner next Friday night? Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, actually, I, I am going to be working his corner. I forgot, uh, uh, yeah, I got Roscoe, uh, I'm actually going to be helping him get warmed up and then, uh, I'll be also helping him get out there and fight. So, uh,
3: well, that should be pretty cool because I'll be putting you guys both, I'll be putting Roscoe and Cliff about fight seven or eight. That way you guys have time after that. But it will be kind of different and odd that you and Kevin would be working corners across from each other. Yeah. And I hope you guys meet each like other. It's like a
4: coach's battle before the, uh, yeah. the actual battle of the two guys that are going to be in the main event. That, that sounds pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, uh, David, how how busy are you going to be that day of, of, the, of the card or, in, or do you? Of the I've i done this for
3: about five years and put on about thirty events or more, and I'd be running around like a chicken with his head cut off all day long. <laughs> that, that's a beautiful thing about partnering with Steve Mutter and the venue Wild Bills is that they do the venue is like a casino. I mean, they do so much over there; it's just unbelievable. I mean, they do so much as far as promotions, setting up the venue. Um, getting everything ready, helping the ring set up, the tables, the chairs, linen. I mean, that's all things that I used to do all day long. i get to the venue at 8 a.m., as any promoter does, and set up all day. And now the venue takes care of all of that, where I get to go out to get a lunch at 4 or 5 o'clock or something like that and almost roll into the venue like I'm a celebrity now. You know, I just roll in, spot some autographs, kiss some babies, and, you know, just go to work for the night. And, you know, it's been a good relationship that everyone has – their job title to do over there, and everyone does it, and at the end of the day, everyone's happy, and, you know, it's worked out terrifically over there, it's an awesome venue that fits up to about four or five thousand people, and we've done four fights over there, well, three fights, is really be the fourth, and each fight gets more and more crowded, each one gets more and more publicity, and, you know, I've been on your radio station twice now, and hope you continue doing this, every event we do, and, uh, you know, as long as each show gets bigger and better, that's all that I've ever wanted as a promoter, and, you know, I think that's all a fighter wants is that they get to fight on bigger and bigger shows and make more money, and it gives them more opportunities to move to reaching their goals and get in the UFC or wherever they want to be. It's
4: going to be an excellent car. Uh, good luck, gentlemen. Uh, keep us keep us updated on everything, and uh, we'll definitely have to have Joe and Kevin back uh, in the future to do uh interviews. I'd love to get to know more about you. Yeah,
0: that sounds awesome. I'd love to do it. Would be interesting. Yeah, thanks, for,
4: thanks for having us on. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, David, good luck at the events. And uh, shoot me an email when that's over with, and we'll uh, we'll get the results on the website and everything. And maybe have the winner back on to talk about the fight. Yeah,
3: I'm sure they'd enjoy
4: that. Cool. Well, guys, have a uh, have a good one, and good luck in the fight. And uh, David, I'll send you an email later. Let you know. Good evening, gentlemen. Alright, thank you. Take care. Right, you. That, of course, was. <laughs> that, of course, was uh, Kevin Giedemeyer. Kevin Giedemeyer, yes. I am a radio personality and I don't even know how to speak the English language. Joe Cronin and David Obel from Wild Bills. Light night four are going to be in the main event. Uh, should be a big, big, big time call. So we're going to be looking for that. If uh, you want to get in on the action over at jiggyjigwaya.com, that chat room, I don't even know if the thing's loaded yet. There it is. I was hoping to have the damn...
3: Do you suffer from depression? Well, you don't have to.
5: Not anymore.
3: Finally, a non-prescription medical breakthrough. It's the Jiggy Jaguar Show!
5: JiggyJaguar.com!
2: We are back here on the Jiggy Jaguar you Show. Speaking with Virgil Point from com. uh, give us a little information on your background.
1: Uh, well, I've been a, um, a personal trainer now for 12 years and I've been in a high school PE teacher for uh, I believe it's uh, almost ten years, uh, nine years actually. And uh, um, you know, my experience include working with uh, little seven and eight year olds all the way up to elite professional athletes. Um, currently, um, I'm teaching, and I also run a fitness camp out uh, here in uh, Brooklyn, New York. So, uh, so my, you know, my passion is helping uh, fitness, uh, I love to play basketball. Uh, you
2: know, you know, mainly pick up basketball, uh, yeah, uh, football, and also <laughs> catch football. So that's basically what I do. Wow, how did you get um, inspired to do
1: personal training and everything? Uh, I think it, um, a lot of it came from uh, my lessons of sports. As I was growing up, uh, uh, playing uh, um, uh, especially uh, football, I was always really skinny, so I, I always tried to learn how I can you know, put on weight and got into weightlifting, and then later on, I was interested in jumping high for basketball, so I started to, you know, learn about, um, you know, ways to increase my vertical jump, and uh, I was also a lifeguard at a health club for, uh, for uh, a couple of years, and yeah. I got to know the personal trainers at the health club, and I started to uh, see, you know, I, I got an idea of, um, you know, what their life was like and what they did, and I really, you know, got into that, you know, through watching them, and that's how I actually started first training at the same, uh, level that I was lifeguarding at. Wow. So, uh, yeah.
2: So you've, uh, and I was reading, uh, some of your bio. You worked as a assistant with the WNBA New York Liberty's, uh, strength and conditioning staff. How did, how did you come across that position?
1: Uh, well, I was uh, actually an intern there and uh basically, you know, just uh, just sending in my resume, uh wanting to to actually learn from the, you know, the um, at the time, Lisa White, the the head strength and conditioning coach. She was actually the director of practical operations. But when she found out about, you know, my background, she basically trusted me to train the team for what amounted to two years. And uh, um, that's just how I got in. I basically, coming in my resume, um, asking to, to be an intern, and that's how I got my foot in the door. And once you realize that, you know, I was, uh, I had worked with the New York Magic and stuff like that, she, um, she trusted me to, to work with the players, the players, I got along with the players really well. And, you know, it was history. It was, uh, after, the most time I had uh, working in the in the strength and conditioning field was, uh, my first
3: year
1: there, because um, we went to the Eastern Conference Finals against yeah. uh, the Washington Mystics, and then we played uh, um, uh, the um, Los Angeles Spuds in
2: the WNBA Championship, which was awesome. Uh, yeah, sounds like it. You've uh, you wrote a couple of columns. One for uh, some uh, on the internet. There's one that uh, sticks out in my mind. At, uh, bodybuilding.com. It's about using spare exercises to improve strength our flexibility and condition, give us some insight on that article.
1: Uh, well, it, I had, I had uh, put together a program for stair exercises back in, uh, uh, back in 1997. I was actually um, I was going through a tough time as far as out in the gym because I was hurt, I, I just had a hernia uh, surgery, and I was looking for an alternative type of uh, workout, and I sort of stumbled upon stair exercises uh I was visiting a friend of mine, I had to walk up to the 19th floor of, of his building and at the, at the time when I was looking for type different types of exercise routines, I had to make sure that he did aggravate the injuries I had and just walking up the stairs didn't really bother anything, but it did give me some some type of grip, a little good of work and so I started to do that because I couldn't go to the gym and then once I was here, I started to add different things um, like a, Power development exercises like hopping upstairs and jumping upstairs, running upstairs, Uh, upstairs, the weight of rest, dumbbells, and stuff like that. And once I was able to go back to the gym, I realized that I was going to keep stairs in my program. So, what I would do is I would climb stairs twice a week, and then I would also go to the gym twice a week because it was just, I realized how valuable it was. And because I really loved it, I, I was uh, usually with clients that I trained, and when I was working with the Liberty, what happened was we had a lot of issues with training on the road because of uh, the yeah. time schedule. A lot of times, privacy is an issue, uh, especially with uh, professional athletes. So I set up a program so that they, they could do their stair work, their, their their exercises in the stance combined with um, upper body exercises with bands and, and bodyweight exercises. And they really loved it, the, the assistant coach, that's how really loved it. And uh, that's what I said, that's when I realized that this is more effective that you can use it with professional athletes and basically anybody. And I also started to use it with, um, with uh, um, high school PE students and high school um, athletes. And once it was put together, I mean, you could literally do almost anything you could think of. It so you could train someone. Aerobically, if they're interested in just uh, improving their aerobic fitness or, or losing weight or general fitness, you could train someone uh, anaerobically, which means you know high-end running and sprinting and stuff like that. So you could really condition someone to so go a sport like basketball where you you require a very high level of conditioning. And then you can also improve someone's strength by walking up the stairs, having two or three steps, doing crossovers, and all different types of exercises so you can work on their strength. Then you can add an upper body exercises with calisthenics, uh, handstand push-ups, yeah. stuff like that with blade zipper. You could just stay right in the stairwell. And then another thing you could do is power development, hopping. And then last, you could also do flexibility with exercises that I came up with where you actually walk down the stairs backwards. Not not uh, um, facing, you actually walk backwards, but you hold on to the handrails. And you, and you can do exercises to um, um, increase the flexibility of your hips. And Ties and your hamstrings and you name it. So before you know it, it was just a, an entire program that you could use.
2: Wow. You've got a few websites, uh, one being GiveStrength.com, uh, com. How have the uh, websites been received by people on the Internet?
1: Uh, I, I, the people, the series right exercises people love. Yeah, the GiveStrength is basically my my bio and stuff like that, and I also want a fitness camp so people come there to see, you know, see what the fitness camp is all about. Yeah. So as far as their exercises, stuff, I mean, I get emails from all over the world asking me questions wow. about their, their exercises. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny when I get an email from like from Mexico or Australia <laughs> <laughs> or something like that, and, you know, asking me questions or you don't buying the the DVD or the ebook or you know all the books. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. I, I've gotten a great, great response to people. You know, people love the work out there. And uh, most of the time, you know, when I actually talk about it, because I have to do um, uh, workshops and stuff like that, I'm still to the board of education. The main, the main thing I try to tell people is not, uh, you know, I'm not trying to sell I'm there I'm trying to sell not making excuses. You know. Um,
5: yeah.
1: You know. Uh, a lot of times, especially in uh, in high schools, you, you're not blessed with the best uh, training facilities. So you yeah. know you can go in a staircase, or you can go into the park, use the monkey bars, or you can go uh, just use body weight exercises. You know, you, you know that's the key. is not to make excuses. You know, there's always a way to train. Uh, you don't necessarily need the, the high tech stuff. I mean, I love high tech stuff. I, you know, I would love to bring everybody I train to the next training center in, uh, in in you know New York. So, you know that's yeah. not possible for everybody. But that is certainly not an excuse to, um, to say that you can't you can't uh, excel in what, whatever you're trying to do.
2: Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, that you run a fitness camp. Uh, what's all involved with that?
1: I actually um, run a fitness camp in Brooklyn, uh, New York, which is back only. A, uh, I run it at Cooper Park in uh, Brooklyn, New York, which is only a couple of blocks from the high school I work at. And because I'm a I I get a lot of questions from uh, teachers on fitness.
2: So what I did one day is
1: I just started a a little program in the the weight room for for teachers. And it just got a little bit boring, so I I wound up taking the program outside. We went in set of boot camp style. We do a little bit of running. We do a little bit of calisthenics. We have an area where uh, you have a set of monkey bars. You have a a little obstacle course. So we all we just try sort to of come up with all these different types of exercises where people are asked to, you know, just exercise and get in the best shape. And, and the key with that is that we train very early in the morning and we train year, year long. And weather is not not an issue unless it's unsafe, like if it's ice on the ground or, it's, you know, falling. So we've trained in 15-degree weather or in 90-degree heat. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. And, <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I just started li- liking uh, the idea of we're just doing outdoors. I started getting, bears, uh, of getting uh, a little deal with being indoors all the time. And just getting outdoors and doing, you know, very simple stuff. It's, it's, it's the program is simple. We go the basics, squatting, lunging, pushing, which is push-ups and stuff like that, pulling, pull-ups. I use uh, resistance bands that we attach to, um, to the park benches. We do all types of exercises. We, we have a little track there. We run around the track. We have a uh, obstacle course that we use, and it's a lot of fun. It's a good dynamic. Uh, people enjoy it. They develop relationships and new friends, and you know, stuff. And the, another reason I like it is because uh, it takes me away from just the one-on-one, where I just work, it's work, work, work. But it allows me to just have people train at one place at one time, and the schedule, my schedule it's not all crazy for everything. <laughs> well,
2: that's cool. So, um, what gave you inspiration to? to Start doing the camp, and how did you get the word out about
1: it? Uh the, the inspiration to start doing the camp was from all the questions from teachers. Because at the time, yeah. I, I was doing a personal training in Manhattan, and I was charging a hundred to one hundred twenty-five dollars an hour. You know, for a lot of clients, but you know, they could afford that a $100, 125 dollars an hour. Whereas yeah. a teacher in, uh, you know, in New York, they can't. get I mean, looking they a hundred to one hundred twenty-five dollars, maybe you know, once or twice a month but to do it consistently was just so expensive. Yeah. So with, with, with the with the group with the group, you know, each person winds up paying anywhere from ten to twenty dollars a session. So it becomes a lot more affordable. Um and you get you know, you get a large group of people and you know, money is not a factor but they still get the same quality instruction as if I'm working with someone one on one. Yeah. So, you know, that that's that's where the motivation came from you said I have to interested in working with me, but, you know, not so much, you know, they just did it because they couldn't afford, you know, my taxes that I do for one-on-one. And then eventually I realized that I could actually make more money training
2: groups than
1: even training someone one-on-one and charging 100. I can make some up to 200 or more an hour if I get enough people. Wow. <laughs> and 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 yeah, another thing is that I realize that I've been doing that my whole life. When you work as a figure teacher, you, you're working with groups. I, I'm working with thirty, forty kids at a time, so you you can understand how to really you know modify things from student to student, which is what we do. So if
2: yeah. so I have
1: a, a, one, one person in the camp struggling with squats, uh, I'll leave everybody alone and, and just go focus on that one person and and, and give them a little bit more instruction until they get it right, and then everybody is quiet, you know. And, So you know, workshop offline, is actually very similar to just one-on-one training, and everybody's happy, and it makes my schedule a lot easier to deal with. Everybody comes to me at a certain time instead of me traveling around uh, Manhattan, you know, going from you know house to house and personal.
2: Yeah, well, makes it easier.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, with the
2: uh, the rise in popularity of some of these uh, mixed martial arts competitions and the Ultimate Fighter that's on uh, Spike TV. I noticed there's been at least at least two seasons I know of where they have used stair training. Why do you think Absolutely. that that is so popular with um, the mixed martial arts world?
1: Well, I know for turn, uh any any type of uh, combative sport you need a high level of conditioning. Yeah. Um, so you can definitely get that from spare exercises and. Uh, that that would be one thing because when, you know once you it, it's it's, almost, it's like stair training once you once you add gravity to the component when you're going uphill you you know whereas you go on a track and you're running flat you know maybe yeah. you need a quarter mile to really get into that conditioning zone that is really applicable to what you're doing in your sport whereas if you do it on stairs or you do it at a hill. And where I landed in those programs basically just, you know, allowed me to help,
2: you know, myself I
1: and mean, just the people that I work with with simple day-to-day stuff that they can do with their diets, with their exercise, stuff like that. And, you know, that's where, where I learned that information uh, about water. And it was just, you know, like I said, stuff people never tell you. I mean, just the stuff on that pain if you're suffering from that pain, or you're taking anti-inflammatories, or you're going to a chiropractor, it's If dehydration is causing your back pain, wouldn't you rather just, you know, hydrate yourself and alleviate the back pain than to go out and, you know, take, you know, anti-inflammatories or pain medications or, you know, have to go to a specialist and chiropractor. If that was the problem, (laughs) you know, anybody would just say, oh, yeah, give me a glass of water, but because some people don't think that, you know, dehydration can lead to, you know, all these things. And you would never know it, or the blood pressure part. I mean blood pressure medications can be very expensive. They can also be very toxic, but you know, if if, if your blood pressure is caused by um, um dehydration, wouldn't you rather just be, de- you know, hydrate yourself than to take these medications? So, you know, so it's just very profound stuff and I was like, Well, you know, one of the first things I'm gonna work with is to make sure that they're properly hydrated. Simple as that. Wow.
2: so well, it's uh it's one thing I've noticed a lot of athletes just in my gym and some of the other places I've been where they're not hydrating properly, and I every once in a while i I think people ought to you know take some time to drink some water <laughs> it, Absolutely. it's it's definitely something you gotta do um some of the other articles I noticed on there. And that is uh, aerobics or strength training, which is better? Which do you think is better, strength training or aerobics, or do they yeah, both I have yeah,
1: benefits? I, yeah, I got, I got a lot of emails on uh, once I put that article out because uh, you know you have your your proponents for you know long distance type uh, running, and you have to be you know short you know you know types of uh, um, you know fitness stuff. So uh, I, I I prefer the short uh, the short but then even I, I read in that article that it really doesn't matter what I say to find what works best for you, you know, because I, ha- I had a, a woman that I trained, and, you know, she's a marathoner. you know, she, she runs half marathons and, you know, uh, five-tier racing and stuff like that, and, she, you know, she comes to me, you know, interested in training, and I'm like, you know, I, mean, I think we, you know, you need to take the running doctor. Like, well, she's like, you don't understand how running makes me feel, I love it, you know, it, it does so much for me, it, it, like my drug, and I was like, how, how can I cut that? I was like, I need to keep running, you know. For yeah. so myself, I like to do uh, short duration stuff. But if you ask me what which which which, which has more benefits, for the, you know, which has more banks, to back, I like the short duration stuff, like weight training, sprinting, stuff like that, because you get more of an effect, a uh, cosmetic effect, which most people look. for. If you look at is a lot of them look very. um, you know, they, they just look over but if you look at sprinters, they look, you know, they have low body fat levels, they have um, more muscle, you know, but that's, you know, that's, just, like I said, it depends on what you're looking for and what you like to do, and, you know, I would never, you know, say to someone, don't do it because, you know, that's my opinion, you know, you have to, you know, it all boils down to, the, you know, what is best for you, and actually, that's what I spoke about and in that article, I gave my opinion of, you know,
2: what I think is best, and
1: then I said, does that even matter? And, uh, and ultimately,
2: it doesn't matter. You know, you have to find out what the Yeah. So with the, uh, one of the big things that's in the news right now is uh, steroids, and I noticed you had a couple articles on there about that. Why do you think uh young athletes and even experienced athletes are going to steroids, or is it just a case of, They've always been using them, and people just are starting to talk about them
1: more now. I think uh, in the gym, you have a lot of people using them, especially, um, you know, you get younger kids that don't know any better, and they get the information from people at the gym. You know, the the guys at the gym that have been there for long or or, you know, a lot of these young kids that get in there may look to them as role models in a sense, and they'll they'll be running from really the wrong person. Um, as yeah. well as the sports, I mean, it's obvious to see, you know, if if you have high profile athletes using them, you know, then you're going to have, you know, a trickle-down effect in, in, in younger generation wanting to use them or just at least experiment with them. But the problem, the problem I think I wrote about in that article is that, you know, if you have a, a, an elite athlete using steroids, uh, many of the times they're getting, you know, the better steroids or they're getting information from experts on how to use them properly. Whereas if you get the younger kids, you may, you know, you know, they're gonna get their information from, you know, from uh you know, some guy at the gym that, you know, maybe never even read a book on the topic. So that's where, that's where that's where the kids are. That's where people are really hurt. You know, a guy like Barry Bond You know, I don't know how how damaging his health is gonna be what he did because he had some, you know, some guru helping him. You know, but you have a kid who wants to be like Barry Bond down in the gym trying these illegal drugs, Who you know, what the hell he, he's using, and getting information from, you know, a suspect type of person, someone you really don't know, what they really know. But so yeah. I think that's what hurt. A, and, and, you know, I tell, I tell the kids about steroids because I get a lot of questions from high school athletes about steroids or not. First thing I say is, is to stay away from them. Also, you know, I don't, I, it's hard for me to give them information because I'm not an expert, but I say, you know, number one, they're illegal.
2: Um, yeah. Number
1: two, uh, you know, you better have to stay away from them because where you get them from may not be, the, you know, the most trusted place. So, you know, I hope they really will listen to me. A lot of times And again, I remember with the Andrew Sandeon and uh, Mark McGuire tell t- kids, uh, you know, stay away from that. You really don't know what's going to do to your body. It's, it's, it's a type of hormone that, you know, that goes into your body. I you don't know what's happening. I still have to keep, keep going to the them because, I mean, who is more and more? Mark McGuire <laughs> so, so you know, if easy then hit sixty sixty five home runs or whatever he hit, then you know, I a kid might look at that headache, you know, maybe that that would be neat.
2: Yeah. Well, uh the big thing i oh yeah. <laughs> the big thing I've noticed on the internet lately seems to be uh these kettlebells. Um yeah. with your primary stick being uh bear exercises. Um, why do you think that fair exercises and kettlebells and some of these alternative forms of uh, training are starting to catch on on the internet, and people are getting more away from uh, just regular barbell, dumbbell, and running outside?
1: Yeah, I, I think it was just you know it's a natural progression. People get bored of the same thing. You know, I, 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 I I don't even go to the gym anymore to work out. And just one day I was like, ah, you know, I'm just worth it. And I'm not saying it's just bad. It's, 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 by mind my it is it's something that you're passionate about. I remember go, you know, back in the day when I used to go to the gym all the time, I was loving it. Now I left to work outside. I left to do a spare. You know, I even started to dabble with yoga and stuff like that. So it's just, I think, uh, um, I think, a. uh, uh as we evolve with people, or, you know, we want to try different things. I mean, as long as it's physical and as long as it's improving your health, I think that's what, um, that's the main thing. As far as the unique things about the kettlebell, I think one of the um, the best yeah. things about the kettlebell is because it, it's just a, a a small piece of equipment. You know, like for a man, if you get a 35 pound kettlebell, because of the way it's, it's crafted with with the handle on the top, you can hold it different ways. And it, in essence, it becomes a different weight because of the leverage involved. So you can do so many different types of exercises with that one kettlebell, whereas if you're in the gym, you know you you need to change the weight.
3: all the past bits and best interviews with new things added each week at
0: jigygagwar.com
4: Hello it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that brighten your brighten day a little, actually a lot. So sign up now at
1: chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. BGW Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.